Uh, so I'm just curious, what are, what are some things that you guys have learned over the last two weeks uh, in this book? Anybody? Any brave students? Exactly. Yeah, Ruth was, was willing to, to give up everything he had for his mother-in-law, Naomi, uh, and uh, expressed a great uh, example of loyalty, sacrificial loyalty uh, towards her. Uh, yeah, I think that was la- uh, week one. Anybody? Anybody? Back here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, belonging or longing? Belonging? Belonging. Uh, yeah, so, okay, that's great, because I didn't actually hear what the girls talked about last week, uh, and how, uh, yeah, Ruth, she went with Naomi to a foreign land where she was, basically her identity, uh, even though she said, I will identify with you and your people and your God, uh, to everybody else, she was the outsider, and they defined her by, you know, often she's referred to as Ruth the Moabites, and so, you know, kind of dealing with how, how do I belong, especially in a, in a place where that was maybe difficult. So that's great on the girl side. Uh, do we have any senior high guys? We have junior high years who are, you know, uh, answering the questions, but any guys from last week uh, that could tell us what we looked at in week two? Being a protector, Being a protector and protecting others and, and looking at Boaz and how he did that uh, with Ruth. Excellent, excellent. Well, I think those are all great messages and, uh, and all things that we can find from Ruth. I know for senior high, you guys, since you guys are having your, your Sabbath Sunday of the first of the month and being with the main congregation, uh, you guys are just coming off your Judges series into Ruth. Uh, for us, you know, we had a little series in between at junior high, but I think it's a great thing uh, that... Um, that you guys came from Judges into Ruth, and that's why it's there in the Bible in that order. Because really with the book of Judges, we, what we found the key point when studying the book of Judges, there was that you know, chaotic spiral, uh, a lot of, a lot of you know, uh, disturbing and hard and challenging stories that we found in the book of Judges because uh, the book of Judges, if anything, is a story about how the Israelites were prone to wander. Uh, prone to uh, rebel against God, prone to go after idols, and how God would continually uh, chastise them or judge them uh, for their actions, but then raise up someone to deliver them. Uh, and, uh, but by the end of the book, it really left us in a bleak, a bleak point. Uh, and really, this is kind of, if there is a main verse or a main theme of the book, it's this, that in those days, there was no king in Israel Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It leaves you in this place of just kind of despair, uh, chaos, everybody just doing what they think is right. And, um, and in essence, uh, the book of Judges shows us that even in the promised land, the Israelites were prone to wander from God and headed for certain destruction, self-destruction really, unless God chose to do something about it, to change their situation. And the book of Ruth is God's answer to how he is going to change the Israelites' situation. It's the solution. It's God's solution to the problem because the book of Ruth, if there was a main theme, if there was a main uh, you know, message from the book of Ruth, not to say that the last two weeks weren't great. I'm just saying, I would say, I would argue that the main theme of the book of Ruth is redemption, uh, and, and with that, uh, I want you guys to break off in our table-less discussion. Uh, maybe if you can somehow form groups. I just lost my mic. 
Uh, for, oh, no, I got it back. Uh, form groups in groups of four or so, something, four, five, three, whatever, uh, and, and ask this. Uh, what is redemption? Can we give it a definition? And what are, an ex- what are some examples of what it, it looks like? So I, I hope you guys all had some good discussion there about what redemption is or, and even maybe some examples of what it looks like. Uh, I, I was thinking about this myself because I feel like when I hear redemption, having grown up in the church, you kind of have a, a conception of like, all right, yeah, this is what like, redemption is. But if I try to define it, it's kind of tricky. Um, and so I actually looked it up from Noah Webster, uh, or at least Webster's Dictionary Online. Uh, and, and there's actually like five different definitions that I found, but each of them boiled down to three key words. And those were sacrifice, freedom, and payment. Sacrifice, freedom, and payment. If you looked up their definitions, there's like five different ones, but they all had elements of somebody sacrificing to free somebody from some situation uh, and by doing it through some sort of payment at some sort of cost to themselves. Uh, and so, you know, in kind of boiling all those things down, my, uh, my definition here for us today when we look at redemption or what it means to redeem is somebody to sacrificially free someone through one's action, payment, or both, okay? So when we're talking about uh, redemption, uh, that's kind of what I'm talking about today. And, and, you know, of all the Bible, throughout all the Bible, all the books of the Bible, uh, this theme of redemption can be found all over the place. However, in the book of Ruth, you find it the most frequently. For the amount, for the size of the book of, of Ruth, there's only 85 verses in the book. There is the, the word redeemed is found 23 times. So on a percentage, uh, they talk the most about redemption in the book of Ruth than anywhere else in the Bible. Uh, and so I think it's a pretty important thing. And so today we want to answer two questions, basically. One, uh, we want to look at how does God redeem Ruth and Naomi's personal situation in the book of Ruth? And we're going to do that by, we're going to walk through the book, uh, through the rest of the book. You guys have gotten basically through chapter two at this point. Uh, so we're going to look at how the, the story plays out. And for some of you, that may be familiar. You guys may know. Uh, for some of you guys, I, I'm guessing you've never read the book of Ruth. And so maybe you don't know how it ends. And for you guys, it'll be a surprise. Um, so we're going to do that. First, how does God redeem Ruth and Naomi's personal situation? Secondly, though, we want to also ask, how does God redeem us, you and I, today? And, uh, and, and how does that connect to the story that we find in the book of Ruth? So uh, that is what we plan on doing. Uh, so if you have a Bible, uh, turn, uh, open it to the middle of, of Ruth. Uh, we're going to start in chapter 2, and then we're going to be in chapter 3 and chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, I trust you guys, if you want to flip out your phone, and if you have the Bible app on it, if not, maybe you can share with somebody uh, uh, their, their Bible. But I don't have a ton on the screen, actually. Uh, I have, uh, but I'm going to be reading it for you guys. So we're going to begin in Ruth chapter 2. So last week, uh, as you guys mentioned, we got to the point, you guys got to the point where Ruth and Boaz had their first encounter in the field, right? And, And the, um, you know, she, she went out to glean some wheat for her mother, uh, her mother-in-law, uh, because 
they are, they don't have anything. They're very vulnerable. They're a couple of widows, which back then, even as now, um, that's a very vulnerable uh, position to be in uh, without somebody to provide for you. So she went out and we saw Boaz's kindness in looking after her and making sure that she, uh, she had plenty to take home to her mother-in-law. Uh, and so uh, that's where we kind of left off. And I'm going to start right where, right where you guys left off in, chap- in verse 19 of chapter 2, where Ruth just had returned home with all the wheat that she had brought. So this is what she says uh, in, after she's brought home the wheat in verse uh, 19 of chapter 2. Her mother-in-law then said to her, where did you glean today and where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, the man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Now, uh, when she tells him that it's Boaz, remember this is Naomi's hometown that she grew up in. She went to Moab for a while and then she came back. And so it's just by chance uh, that she happened to be gleaning in the field of one of her relatives, one of her close relatives. Now for us, in your, in your version, it may say um, redeemer, uh, but probably says relative or close relative, but the word is the same. Uh, the word is, in Hebrew is goel, uh, and, it, and it's probably translated as close relative or redeemer. But just being a close relative, the reason Naomi points this out is because in the law, uh, if you were to read back in, in De- the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 25, uh, there's, there's a law that when God gave the land to his people, he allotted it by tribe. So if you look in the book of Joshua, each tribe got a certain plot of land. And within each plot of land, each family of that tribe got certain plots of land. Uh, and, and this was something that was important uh, to build a community together uh, and to prosper and to avoid some of the uh, you know, capitalistic, uh, you know, encroachment of, of just kind of try to monopolize uh, and, and push people out. Uh, God put in systems so that people would not uh, become impoverished, so that people would look out for each other. And one of this was the idea of the goel or the close relative or redeemer. And the idea is if you found yourself in a position of poverty or of vulnerability or in debt, uh, what your closest relative could do was the act of redeeming you by by paying off your debt and acquiring the land. Uh, And even in a situation with like a widow, taking your deceased close relative's wife as your own and rearing children with them in the name of the deceased. So that's the, yeah, (laughs) Uh, Leah's like, what? Um, yeah, you know, these are one of the things that I'm, I'm a little, um, I'm glad that that's not for us today. Uh, but anyways, uh, otherwise, you know, you would be very concerned with who your close relatives are marrying. You're like, whoa, 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 we got to talk about this, bro. All right. Um, and, uh, but, but that's, that's why Naomi's pointing this out. There's more significance than this is our close relative. This, what she's pointing to is this is a potential person who can redeem us out of our situation. And remember, redeem, 
to sacrificially free someone through one's action, payment, or both. All right, so this is where, where Naomi is going. She's saying, this person is a potential redeemer. Okay, so uh, we will move on into, into chapter three, the first five verses. Naomi has a plan, a plan for redemption for her and Ruth to provide security for her and Ruth. Uh, and this is what she says in the first five verses of chapter three. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman, with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking." It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down and then he will tell you what you shall do. And she said to her, all that you say, I will do. Seems like a foolproof plan, right? What? (laughs) Um, You know, uh, again, just like the concept of the goel, This is, remember, uh, people that lived about 3,000 years ago with different customs. Uh, And, uh, but but I will want to explain a couple of things contextually. So uh, they are in the harvest season. uh, And so they are are taking all the wheat that they have gathered for the year to the threshing floors. And this would be a a community place uh, where you would go, where they would have, you know, kind of a stone floor where you, you throw up the wheat and it would fall, and, and the chaff, which is like a shell around the wheat grain, would blow away, and you'd have the wheat was heavy enough to land back on the threshing floor. This was done, uh, if you're somebody like Boaz, who probably has much wheat, uh, you know, he's there with a lot of people, and they're all doing this. And this is known that they're going to be doing this at this time. And they would often, it would be a celebratory time, because this is what God has provided for them for this year. And uh, so there's going to be eating and drinking as they, they work, and then they party, and they sleep, and then they work again, and then they... It's, it's a very festive time. Uh, so Naomi's plan is saying, go to the threshing floor, wait uh, until, you know, the day is done, and he goes to sleep, and, uh, and then once, once you find out where he's sleeping, go up and uncover his feet and wait, and then he's going to tell you what to do. So that's what she's going to do. Now, obviously, that sounds strange. I'll explain it a little bit more once we get there. But but that is, uh, I just want to assure you, this isn't something inappropriate. uh, And uh, even though it could be observed that way, uh, there's what we find hints in the text that this is not something scandalous. All right, so uh, let's move on. In verses 8 and 9 of chapter 3. So she does this. She, you know, she goes, she sees where he falls fall asleep. And it's like camping. You're sleeping outside. You know, you're working. It says that he fell asleep right by his big pile of grain. Um, and so verses 8 and 9. It happened in the middle of the night uh, that the man was startled and bent forward. And behold, a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Remember, that word is goel. Uh, and uh, so, so yeah, uh, that's what she says. Now, 
I want to paint you a picture because this is obviously very strange. Uh, and this, I wouldn't recommend this as like a, a dating tip or an engagement tip uh, for you guys. It'd be really creepy if, you know, you, you go up to the guy that you want to marry and go in and, and pull his covers over his feet and then he's startled and it's like, who are you? It's like, hey, I'm here, marry me. Um, that's not what I would recommend. Uh, but I want to paint you, paint you a picture here and I, I think it will make a little more sense after I explain a couple of things. Now, he's sleeping outside. Uh, it's kind of like camping. It gets cold at night, right? Uh, and so her plan is to go and to uncover his feet and eventually he's gonna get cold and wake up. And when he does, and he's like, who are you? It's dark out. Uh, she says this, I am Ruth, your servant, so spread your covering over me. Um, and what she is essentially doing is she is challenging Boaz to be the answer to his own invocation of blessing in chapter two. In chapter two, guys, you might've focused on this a little bit, but uh, this is what, something that Boaz says to Ruth when she's gleaning in the field. Boaz says this, may the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. All right? Boaz is saying, you've come here and may God cover you, spread his wings over you to provide and to be security for you. And what Ruth is saying is, I am Ruth, your servant, spread your covering over me because you are a redeemer. You are somebody who can redeem me. Now think about this. He's cold because she lifted up his covers to uncover his feet, but she's out there, out in the cold. And she's all dressed up, you know, you don't want to look shabby when you're asking somebody to basically marry you. Um, and so, you know, but the implication is, you know, you're cold because I've uncovered your feet. I'm out here in the cold. I need somebody to cover me because I'm vulnerable uh, and I'm cold. And so when she's asking him to do this, it's a metaphor for what, the bigger thing that she's asking for, which is I need somebody to cover me, and not just me, but Naomi as well. Uh, and, and so it hopefully makes a little more sense when you think about it in that way. Uh, otherwise, I understand, very complicated or, or complex, kind of strange passage. Um, but I just was thinking about this, and it just kind of was a reminder to me, you know, she's asking Boaz to do the very thing that Boaz prayed that the Lord would do for her. And how often... Do we, it's like the book of James says, you know, if you see somebody hungry uh, or, you know, in need to just say, you know, the Lord bless you, may you be filled and not to do anything is, you know, uh, a sign that you don't really have in your heart uh, the care for that person. And, and what God calls us to do as his body, we are called the body of Christ, is to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ and to be, to look for opportunities to be the blessing from God in other people's lives. And so if you think of it in this way, she's challenging Boaz to walk the walk that he's talked, right? And he's in a unique position that he's able to do that. And so that's what she's essentially asking Boaz to do. And so this is how, uh, this is how Boaz responds uh, in verses 10 through 13. 
Then he said, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now it is true that I am a close relative, Goel. Uh, However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you as the Lord lives. So he's, he's essentially saying, you know, he, he blesses her for, uh, for what she has done for her noble character. He says, everybody in town acknowledges that you are a woman of noble character. This is why we can't read into this that there's some sort of scandalous, you know, um, you know activity going, going on here and nothing inappropriate. He's acknowledging that she is a woman of noble character and he commends her for approaching him, a man who is older than her apparently, uh, when she could have gone after younger men. Uh, and I'm not going to Re, you know, comment too much further into that. I know you guys split up last week, but it's just an excellent example of admiring and looking uh, to surround yourself with. And hopefully, if you are to get married, to marry somebody that you esteem and that everybody else esteems as having noble character, people that stand out by their character. And so he says, I'm gonna, I, I, will, I will gladly do it. However, there is a relative who is closer than I am and, and thus has the right uh, to redeem before I do. But I'm going to go and I'll ask him and we'll settle it, basically. Uh, and, and so again, you know, he, uh, Boaz, is somebody who is marked by somebody who is uh, obedient to God's law and to God's word. And he's not, he's, everything's going to be above board. And we'll, we're going to read that in chapter four. So in chapter four, uh, Boaz gathers this closer relative and um, the elders of the city. Everybody is a public thing and a public gathering, and he approaches him about about Ruth. And this is what he says, verses uh, three through six. Boaz says, Then he said to this closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you saying, buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know for there is no one but you to redeem it and I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, on the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabites to widow, uh, the widow of the deceased in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. The closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for you yourself. You, you, uh, you may have the right of redemption for I cannot redeem it. Okay, so essentially uh, he says, hey, you know, Naomi, uh, she uh, needs a redeemer. Uh, there is a plot of land under the name of our relative Elimelech, who is deceased. Uh, you would get that land if you were to redeem them. Uh, and he's like, yeah, that sounds good. And then he says, also, you would have to take Ruth the Moabitess as your wife. Uh, and 
the children that you would have would be four uh, counted in the line of the deceased, her deceased husband, which I believe was Malon. Um, the other one was Chilion. I, I don't remember which one. I think it's Malon. Uh, and so uh, afterwards, he's like, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I'm not going to do it. You got it. And I, I just point this out real quickly because then we'll find Boaz will exactly do that. But the difference between the two and how often are we can we find ourselves in one of these two camps? The difference between the one redeeming their situation from the other is one was willing to sacrifice for, for, for Ruth and Naomi and the other was not willing to. He was, he was willing to get something at no cost to himself. But as soon as he heard the cost, which would have been one, uh, he would have had to split his inheritance with children that were not considered his, legally. Uh, and also he would have had to have married Ruth, the Moabitess, who we already talked about, or you guys talked about, especially the ladies last week is a foreigner. And that was, I mean, there was, there was bigotry there. There was, uh, you know, people did not like Moabites. And so it would have been culturally, um, a, a stain on his reputation to marry a Moabitess. And so at that cost, he says, nah, you got it. Um, and, and I think it's worth noting, are we willing to, it's one thing to be there for somebody when it doesn't cost you anything, but when it costs you something, are you willing to sacrifice? Cause remember our definition of redemption is to sacrificially free someone by your one's payment or cost or both, uh, payment or action or both. So, uh, so anyways, uh, Boaz will go on in verses 13 and 15. Uh, to, to redeem them. So this is what it says. So Boaz took Ruth, uh, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. And I just want to quickly juxtapose this from where, where Lee left off in chapter 1, which is Ruth, after she had lost the, both of her sons and lost her husband, uh, basically lost everything and is forced to go back uh, to her homeland where she has nothing really going for her, she says she doesn't want to be called Naomi, which means pleasant. The name Naomi means pleasant. She says, call me Mara because I'm bitter, right? And this is what she says at the end of chapter one. She says, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara for the almighty has dealt with me very bitterly. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. And if there couldn't be a better picture of the God's redemption in the personal story of Naomi and of Ruth, it couldn't be more clear than in this uh, last sentence here, which, which uh, this actually isn't Ruth 2.12, so I'm sorry about that. Um, it's 4.15. Uh, but uh, where, where they say, uh, oh, 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 that's because I was on the wrong slide. Uh, this, where they say, your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons. And we've seen this. We've seen Ruth 
you know, demonstrate that through her love for Naomi and her self-sacrifice for Naomi, that she's proven herself better than seven sons. Uh, and, and the idea there is, is seven is like the perfect number, uh, the complete number, and seven sons who grow up and they give you many children and they take care of you and all, that kind of, all those kinds of things that she didn't have at this point, but she is proven to have in Ruth and who has now provided her a grandson. Uh, and so you might think that this is the perfect ending to the book. Uh, we've seen God's redemption in the life, in the personal story of Naomi and Ruth, and it's a nice little love story. Uh, we've learned a lot of good things from it. Um, and this would be the perfect ending, except it still hasn't answered the larger purpose of the book of Ruth, which is the question, how is God going to redeem the rebellious nation of Israel that we've seen in the book of Judges? It ended with this very bleak picture of everybody just doing what's right in their own eyes, everybody in rebellion to God. It's in a very sad state. How is God going to redeem the nation? This is nice for a single family, but how is he going to redeem the nation? And, and, and just like it said, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Well, the book of Ruth doesn't end there, and this is why. <clears throat> Let's read verses 17 through 22. Uh, it says, uh, The neighbor women uh, gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. It's been born to Ruth, but, you know, uh, grandson, you could say, to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now, these are the generations of Perez. To Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron was born Ram, and Ram Aminadab, and to Aminadab was born Nashon, and to Nashon, it's spelled like salmon, but I don't know. Uh, and to Salmon, Solomon, uh, was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, David. And that's how the book ends. But the idea is, you're supposed to know at this point, he's linking, the, he's linking this time. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Bleak picture, how is God going to redeem this nation to this story with Ruth and Naomi is like a microcosm for the whole nature or, or, or the whole nation of Israel and what God plans to do for Israel itself. Just as God has redeemed Ruth and Naomi, he is also redeeming all of Israel through their son, its grandson, and so on and so forth, which eventually leads to King David, where there will be a king who is after God's own heart, who is the golden standard of all the kings of Israel that come afterward. They're all measured in, in how they measure up to David. Uh, and, uh, and so this is God's answer. It seems like if you read this book, God is not recorded as saying anything. Some people talk about God, but you don't really see God's movements, except that you see him from behind the scenes orchestrating such things in a way that he brings about the redemption of this one little family that's impoverished, two widows, but he uses such a simple little story as that to bring about the redemption ultimately of the entire nation of Israel with the coming of David. Now you may say that's great for, for Ruth and that's fine for Israel, but how does this help me with my situation? How can God redeem me when I am seriously struggling? And I understand that. I mean, we all have had situations that need redemption. And I was thinking 
myself, just uh, impersonally, uh, in different ways that I've seen God's work of redemption in my life. And I don't know if at that initial table discussion you guys were able to share examples of God's redemption, but just thinking back on a few areas of my life that I'll share with you guys today, I, I struggled for about a decade uh, seemingly going nowhere in my career. I worked for my dad. I love working with my dad, but I, it was not my gift. Uh, it was in remodeling, re, um, not modeling, remodeling uh, houses and whatnot. Um, and uh, I even got so low to a point where I applied to work for Lee. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and here I am now, I get to work for Aaron. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, and uh, no, no, but, but really, really, um, even, even actually there, there are reasons I, I didn't end up uh, taking that job, but God was using that more than a decade of time to, to equip me uh, and to train me to, to rely on him and to seek him so that when I eventually, I do work here at RBC with the whole youth team and it is a blessing to work with all of them. Um, I couldn't be happier where I am now in my career. Uh, but that wasn't evident for a long period of time. Uh, I've been in relationships that ended, uh, that really shook me up. And yet, um, just, just uh, yesterday, I was celebrating the one-year-old party of my, my son. Uh, and uh, and God, gave me, God gave me a, a wonderful wife uh, and, uh, and a beautiful boy and another another one on the way. Um, and so, you know, I've seen God's redemption in that area of my life. Uh, <clears throat> I, went to, I went to a funeral this past week of uh, a woman named Lynn Craftson. She actually was my eighth grade math teacher. Um, and, uh, and, and yet um, she has suffered for the last 11 years with um, increasing Parkinson's disease, uh, which has slowly uh, taken over her body so that she was unable to eventually communicate, walk, speak. How could God redeem something like that? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you, except that when I went to the funeral, I heard from all four of her sons how they talked about how her perseverance through uh, her sickness and her uh, complete devotion to the Lord in that time inspired all of them. Uh, in, in the midst of that. Uh, so God can even redeem a situation like that. That's super hard. But what about, what about our mistakes? What about our sins? What about the, 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 the sins that we do that we think may be unredeemable? Well, I'll tell you, I've, I've, made, I, I've made some mistakes in my life that I would consider that way. In college, I was totally living for myself and did all the things that you could think of that, that we tell you not to do. Um, and, uh, and I've seen the Lord not only redeem those situations to the point that, you know, he used my brokenness ultimately where that lifestyle led me to draw myself back to him, but he also allowed me to use my mistakes to minister to others who have also struggled in the same ways or similar ways. And so I've seen the Lord being able to even redeem my mistakes and my sins. Now, I'd like to watch a, a little clip here uh, that I, it's a powerful clip from a movie uh, or from, from a, a book, uh, and we're going to play it here for you. Uh, could you pause it just for a sec? Uh, it's, it's from Les Miserables, and uh, if you're familiar with the story, great, but if not, 
this, what you're about to see is there's a criminal who has recently been released from prison and, uh, and a priest, uh, he was kind of wandering, a priest let him stay, showed him hospitality, fed him, let him lodge there overnight. And, and so this is who you see uh, here in this video. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful scene because, I, and I heard, I heard several of you, you know, when he, when he beat the priest, uh, we're like, <gasps> you know, and, and yeah, I, I, I think we feel that, but, <clears throat> oh, can, can we go to my next slide? Uh, I, oh, uh, there should be, yeah, there we go. Uh, <clears throat> I picked I pick that, it's a classic Bob Scholl clip, by the way, uh, uh, but, but I picked that because it so powerfully shows us what, what this looks like, what redemption is, all right? Somebody who sacrificially frees someone through their action, payment, or both. The priest had every reason to condemn Jean Valjean, the convict there. Um, instead, uh, he sacrificed his body and his treasure to buy back Jean Valjean's soul and give him back to God. That's what he said there at the end. I buy back your soul, I give you back to God. And that, that's a, it's a perfect portrait of what exactly Christ did for us and how God, God's story, even in the book of Ruth, his redemption of them personally, which can be extrapolated to redeeming the whole nation through providing a king, which ultimately leads to David and to the son of David that we know as Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's God's answer to how he set forth to redeem us because in the movie, we're Jean Valjean. We are those who beat Jesus Christ with our sins. He was beaten and bloodied and crucified to pay for your sins and what you deserved. And in that, he did that so that he could, literally the Bible uses this language of buying us back, buying us, but the purchase price for him was not silver, it was his own blood. He bought us back so that he could present us to God. This is the Christmas story. That's why this Ruth series lines up perfect with Christmas because that's exactly what we observe here. How God sent his only son, Emmanuel, God with us, so that he might live the perfect life, die on a cross in place of us. But the story doesn't end there. He was resurrected on the third day, conquering death, freeing us from the bondage of sin, and that anybody, anybody who recognizes that you, that thinks that you might be irredeemable, can realize that you're not. Jesus Christ bought you. He bought you and he extends his hand of salvation to you. Will you be redeemed? Will you allow Jesus to be your Goel, to bring you in to the family of God as God our Father? Let's pray to Jesus. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your redemption that we received on behalf of your son, Jesus Christ, who took on flesh about 2,000 years ago, uh, so that he could share in our afflictions, so that he could buy our souls from evil, from sin, from the things that we don't share with anybody else, but you see. And knowingly, knowing all of our sins that we've ever committed, you still chose to give your life, to die for us, that we could be a part of your family. 
Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room here who has never done that, who has never asked for you to redeem them, that they would even today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.